there was a certain tzaddik that had to go to a place, he had to pass through a place that normally tzaddikim don't like to pass through a place of a lot of tumma, a place of a lot of impurity. And he had no choice, for whatever reason he had to go to this particular place. And he passed through and he commented to someone, what's pshat? I felt a lot of kedusha. It's a very unusual feeling when you go past such a place of such tumma, such impurity. He felt so much kedusha. And somebody, another tzaddik, explained to him, maybe the pshat is as follows, that there's a certain siyata dishmaya, that when a person is in a place of tumma, and he has opportunities to look at that which he doesn't, to do the wrong thing, and he doesn't do that, then the clippers of Kedusha that are left there are incredible. When a person has the opportunity, when a person could theoretically do something and he turns around and he says no, the Kedusha that that causes is the most incredible thing. And therefore, said the Tzaddik, it must be in this place there were people that went past, that went into this area that did not look, that did not do the wrong thing. And therefore, the Kedusha that it left was incredible. The Shem is Shmuel. It says, Amoy de Kazakh. The Shem is Shmuel and he's explaining a Zoya Kodesh. Where the Zoya Kodesh explains that a person can become a Tzaddik Gomon, Russian of the Zoya Kodesh, Bishochado Uberegachado. In one moment. Explains the Heilige Shem is Shmuel as Amoy de Kazakh. My boy said, This is unbelievable. Says the Shem is Shmuel, there are. Two ways a person can become a tzaddik. A person can become a huge tzaddik. A tzaddik gobo. How do you do it? Two ways. Way number one. Method number one. You can toil tirelessly. Again and again. Day after day. Working on yourself. Improving yourself. Becoming a better person. Until eventually you reach the level of a tzaddik. That's one way of doing it. Says the Shemesh Moon. There's another way. A shortcut. An easy way. That when a person has the opportunity to look at something, to press those buttons, to look across the street, or whatever it may be. And he decides, no, I'm not going to do it. Says the Shemish Shmuel, he becomes a tzaddik gomer instantly. You know what that means? That means, Rabbi Sai, when a person has the opportunity, when a person could do something, and he turns around and says, no, I'm not going to. I don't want to do it because I don't want to get What's going to be waiting for me in the next world? I want to have a better marriage. I want to have a better, better relationship with the Rabbi Yisholaylam. V'chule, v'chule, so many things. Apart from all of those things, says the Shem Shmuel, he becomes a tzaddik gomor instantly. And the Messianists are great. You know, just in this week's parasha, I had a beautiful, beautiful idea from the Manchester Rosh Hashivah, from, uh, from your father's Sefer, from my wife's Sefer, Gavaldig. Unbelievable, you said in this week's parasha, parasha is Bishalach. And we're told that the Torah says that Rabbi Shalom didn't want Kali Yisrael to go by the Pelishtim. Why not? Because maybe there's going to be a Mulchama, and there'll be a Mulchama, they're going to go back to Mitzrayim. <laughs> what does that mean? So, not now to discuss the whole Indian of the parasha, which is in a small way. The Manchester Rosh Hashiva explains that Kali Yisrael were holding on such a high badraker. They were holding, they saw the Nisim and Mitzrayim, they saw the Makas. They saw everything. They saw Chris Yamasim, they were holding on the highest Madriga, but yet, the Rabbi Shalom was so worried. Maybe they're going to fall. That's a chizik to every single one of us. Even Kalal Yisrael, 
who left Mitzrayim, who practically saw the Rabbi Shalom's hand, Kaviyachu. And even they were subject to an assuming that they could have fallen. Koshikin, us, our simple people, were also subject to many Nisoyinus. We could also fall, whatever the Madriga that you're on. And that's what the Master Rashiva says. The people who are on such a high Madriga, that shows don't trust yourself. And look at what Madriga you're on. And that's what I said in the beginning. And I'm just, you know, backing that up over here. People say, eh, it's not going to get to me when I've discussed these things over here. No such thing. No such thing. The Metzius is every single person can have an assignment. And he goes on to say such a beautiful thing. He goes on to say, he says such a gavaldagi assignment. He says, I don't understand. Why this assignment? Why the assignment of the Mulchama? Why did the Rabbi Nishlam say, no, 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 don't go near the Palishta, the Biham Mulchama? And then maybe they'll go back. What about all the other Nisayinists? The tremendous Nisayinists they have, the sign of the Slav, the Mon, the Eagle, the Maraglin, all the other Nisayinists, that's okay. Oh, but this one? Oh, we can't get Kali to go anywhere near over there. Explains the Manchester of Shishiva. So beautiful. Because obviously the Rabbi Nishlam understood that this Nisayin they won't cope with, but every other one they could. You know what that means? That means when every single one of us have an Nisayin, and there isn't a person who doesn't have an Nisayin, Chazal tell us that. It means if the Rabbanu gave you an Nisayin, you can do it. It has to be that way. It has to be that way because you see from the parasha, this week, parasha of Bishalach, that this Nisayin, the Rabbanu said, no, 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 no. This one you can't do because you can't cope with it. But every other Nisayin you can, that you could cope. So none of this, oh, I can't go, Rebbe, it's too difficult, I can't do this, it's overpowering, my hates are... No, 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 no. If the Rebunshim gives you an assignment, it means he held that you can overcome it. And the biggest problem, and we mentioned this last week, and we're going to mention it again, because this, I feel, is the biggest yesoid that we have to know, and we have to reiterate this again and again, because this is the yesoid of how we get up, and that is to realize, after the fall, after we fell, after we went through a situation where we may have looked, where we may have pressed, you have to realize that people get upset. And I've heard this many times from people, they get very down, very upset, how can I do this? And there's no point trying anymore. Can you imagine a voice in the middle of a war? Right? Imagine in the middle of a war. I've, I've had Talmudim sitting around the table who have gone through the army. And they told me their experiences fighting various situations in Gaza, jumping down from helicopters, all sorts of crazy stories, right? And could you imagine the middle of one of these fights? All of a sudden, one of your friends, your fellow soldier, Rahman Lakstan drops in the middle of the fight. What are you going to do? You're right in the middle. The enemy's right there. They're coming at you. What are you going to do? Oi. Now, of course, you want to express your anguish. You want to express your anger. You want to express your emotions. But you're in the middle of a war. In the middle, enemies coming at you. What are you doing? Rabbi Isaiah, we're in the middle of a war. We're in the middle of a Muhammad. The Rabbi Nishalayim is throwing every possible book in the trick, every possible trick in the book to see if she can get us. Right before you, Moshe Mashiach, as we mentioned last time. Every single trick in the book. The question is, are you going to overcome that assign? Are you going to rise above it? Are you going to be better than that? Or are you going to let it take over you? rent-free space in your brain. How many people have that? That this Nisoyen lives in their brain, lives in their emotions, lives in their body, rent-free. It takes, it takes you over completely. You become an animal. That's the only difference, really, Chazal Paras, between an animal and a human being is we have the Seichel. What does Seichel mean? Seichel means the understanding to say no. The understanding that we're not an animal. 
We don't just follow our horse instincts. Do whatever the body tells it to do. Whatever your body wants it to do. Sure, why not? It feels good. Shemirachim. Kutimaran brings down that the people that leave their entire Olam Haba for 15 minutes of pleasure. That's all it is. And one of the things that I want to mention tonight is the idea of preparation. The Toldus Yaakov Yosef in Shaftim brings down, he brings down actually what they bring as a joke. It's many of them are from the uh, from the Balshemtov. And he says, somebody fell into a pit. And he couldn't climb out. And a person passed by and sees this fellow in the pit and says, what's going on over here? He says, "Um, I can't get out. Maybe could you help me? So the guy says, you know what you should do? Go home, get a ladder, and this way you'll be able to climb out the pit. That's what the Toldus Yaakov Yosef brings down. So Mendela, one of the prime Talmudim of the Baal Shem Tov, explained Pshat. What does it mean? It says there's a tremendous lesson in Avodah Hashem. The lesson is that we have to prepare ourselves before we fall. Yes, once we fall, we have to know how to deal with it. But the best thing would be was to realize what to do once we have fallen and try to prepare, prepare ourselves not from falling as well. And that's how important it is. A person has to realize that yes, once we've fallen, we have to get back up but try to prepare ourselves. I want to speak a couple of ideas. We mentioned last year the idea, last week, the idea from the stipler. The stipler says in a letter, that there's no greater ticken for a fall than overcoming the difficulty of getting up and starting again. And he said, this is, so, this is the Yetzirah. The Yetzirah gets you once you're down and says, listen, you did it already. You broke your streak. So just, just keep on going anyway. What's the difference anyway? You think, you think God really cares? You broke it already. It's done. That's what the Yetzirah does. He can get you down. He'll get you to stay down. What you've got to realize is to get jump back up. Another thing, Rabbi say. The power of 90 days. You know, very interesting. People think that once I've seen something, so it's over. Now, we spoke about that right in the beginning, and there is some truth to that, 100%. But tshuva. A person can get past it. A person saw something. A person saw something a while ago. He wants to get rid of it. I can't get rid of it. It's always in my head. It's the images right there every single time. I open up my eyes. It's right there. What am I meant to do? The answer is the person has to realize there's never a too late time to turn back. There was a study... In 2015, by a, a book called Level Up, a, brain, brain, a brain-based strategy book by Andrea Samadhi. 2015, and she, wrote, she made a study. And the study was that if a person refrains from an addictive behavior for 90 days, then they would find it much easier to stop the addictive patterns. Thank you very much for that. But Chazal knew this obviously a lot earlier than that. We know this already from the halach of the Saint Talamoto Rocha. That if you daven 90 days, if you daven 90 tefillahs, 30 days, right, three times a day, and you say it, then automatically it has a koyach of putting something inside you, instilling within you. And therefore, when a person thinks, okay, I've done it, I've seen it, now what? The answer is challenge yourself to 90 days. Challenge yourself to 90 days without looking and you'll see that the images will slowly... By the way, interestingly enough, that the gematria of tzaddik is 90, right? Because if a person wants to become a tzaddik, you stop for 90 days, you'll see the images slowly but surely fade away. And I've heard this from people. I've heard this from people, because Baruch Hashem, I've given these shown before, and people come over to me, people write to me, all sorts of things, and I've heard this from people who said they have tried and they have been successful. I will tell you a to back this up. There's a Mordecai Medrash. Powerful Medrash. 
Somebody actually wrote me an email last week saying that I didn't mention this Medrash this year. So I'm going to mention the Medrash this year. The Medrash says in Parashas Vayichi, he rings a Maisa with Ramasya ben Choresh. Ramasya ben Choresh was a Someone we can't even understand. Sitting in the Mesa Medrash, Chazal explained that his face looked and shined like the sun. His face looked like a malach. He had never looked at a woman his entire lifetime. Once the Sultan passed him and said, Ah, chutzpah? How can this be that this has never done an Aveira? Can't be. So he went to the Rabbi Nishalaylam. He said, Rabbi Nishalaylam, who is this man to you? Medrash says, Hashem says, Oh, he's a tzaddik gomo. Said the Sultan, <laughs> Give me permission. I'll give him a smartphone for a few days. We'll see what happens. Give me permission. Come on. Give me permission. I'll test him. The Bonisham says, forget about it. Forget it. It's all over. There is no way. You will not be able to. He's never looked at a woman in his entire lifetime. Sultan says, give me permission. Just give me permission. Shem says, okay, go. So he dressed up as one of the most beautiful women to ever walk planet Earth. And he goes in front of a Master Ben Chavesh. And he starts to try and tempt him. And he sees in the corner of his eyes, he sees a skirt, something, whatever. He looks away. He goes to that direction. He looks away. He goes to that direction. He saw that there's no way out. What am I going to do? Everywhere I look, there's a woman over there. So he asks his Talmudim, take a metal rod, please, and put it into the fire for a few minutes. Get it glowing hot. Schmuck. He took the rod that was glowing hot and he pierced both of his eyes out. He says, I can't see anymore. I can't see anymore. That's it. The Sultan saw that he started shaking. The Sultan started shaking. A yid can do such a thing to stop himself from a, from a veira. He went back to Rabbi Shalom. He said, Hashem, Yerachim. Hashem go back. Ask him. We can give you back the sight. So he said, I promise. I can give you back your sight. He said, no, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in my sight back anymore. He says, Medrash, you know what we see from here? You know what we see from here? What's Chazal telling us? What's this, what's this story all about? The answer is that if a person stops, if a person prevents himself, if a person learns to control himself, the Rabbi Nishan removes the Yetzirah to some degree from you. And that's an incredible thing. And that's what a person has to realize. We'll talk in Mitzvah Shem about the guilt. That in Mitzvah Shem we'll talk about maybe next week. But there's another thing. What we call the three-second rule. The three-second rule, people use it when food falls on the floor, but there's a three-second rule. And that is we know from Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef HaTzadik, when he was tempted with Aishis Paitifa, what does the Pasuk say? By Yonas, he ran. He ran. She grabbed him by the bag and then he ran. Why did he run? Says the Svarim. You know why he ran? Because if he wouldn't have run, if he would have given it a few seconds just to think about it, maybe it would have been too late. And he ran. Because he realized it's now. It's almost the opposite to... I once took a course um, on dealing with dealing with depression and uh, suicide. Unfortunately, we were dealing with people of that, it was a number of years ago, we were dealing with people in that category and they sent us to a certain thing. One of the things they taught us was if you have a person that we should never know of such people, there should never be such people that wants to commit suicide. Don't tell him no. It doesn't work. He, he, he's thought about it, he's got all the logic. He wants to do it. You're going to tell him no, he's going to say no? Okay, fine, sure, no problem. It doesn't work that way. The way to do it is to delay him. Delay him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in a few minutes, we'll, you know, give him more time to think, more time to think, and maybe you'll be able to eventually start to figure out how to do it, send him to hospital, whatever it may be. The other here, it's totally the opposite. The more you think, the worse it is. You cannot think. The minute the temptation comes into you, and you start typing, or you start looking, that second! Bayonus, run! Don't give it a second. You give it a second, it's too late.
the three second rule. The moment you have a few seconds, it doesn't work. A boy said, Klali Swan on a high madriga. Klali Swan on a high madriga. We should be better than this. We have to be better than this. A wealthy man comes into a yeshiva. I'm looking for a son-in-law. I'm going to support him. This so way he can come home for Pesach every year. So I'm going to support him. I need to have the wealthy. I need to have the best son-in-law. I've got to have my greatest masmid. I want the best boy in yeshiva. Give me the best boy in yeshiva. So Shiva says, oh, best boy in yeshiva. Yankala. Come and take Yankala. Sure, no problem. Make a beautiful hasana. He sits down. He tells his son, I'm going to support you for the rest of your life. I want you to learn basmada gadoyla. So in the beginning of the after straight after the Shabbat is there he is, plugging away, 14, 16 hours a day, unbelievable nachas his father-in-law is getting. As the months go by, the father-in-law notices that his learning isn't what it used to be. And he starts basically working it out that he was learning about 4 or 5 hours a day. He calls on his son and says, this wasn't the deal. The deal wasn't you'd learn 5 hours a day. The deal was a whole day. I want to see a massive and I want to see a godl. I want to see what you're going to become. He says, my dear Shver, you know, when I was learning yeshiva, everyone was learning, so you know, I had to learn a lot in order to be the best, to be the top, in order to get where I got to. Look at the village where you live. Nobody's learning anything. Yeah, they rock up for a shear here and there, but no one's learning anything. My five hours a day is incredible, because compared to everybody else. She said, no. I wanted a, I wanted a top bacha. I wanted a top son-in-law to sit and to steig in that, because of that, I wanted to support you. I don't care what's it's relative to anybody else. That doesn't bother me. The point is about you. Said the Dubna Maggit. When it comes to Inyone Kedusha, people think, well, look at, look at the world. <laughs> the world, Hashem Yerachim, the world is in a place where Mamish probably even lower than Memta Sharetum, and they were by, right by Mitzrayim. If we try a little bit, Enochanami, 100%, if we try that, we do the Rabbi Nisham loves, cherishes, and looks and says, ah, my dear son, look what he's trying. But it's not relative to somebody else. It's about you. It's about what you can accomplish. It's every single little tiny thing that you personally accomplish is looked by the Rabbi to be so choshev. And I want to end with a very, very, very scary Rambam. The Rambam says in Perisha Mishnayis at the end of Masechtas Brachas, very, very scary thing. On the Mishnah that tells us, says the Rambam. Very scary. There comes a time when the Rabbeinu Shalolam wants to destroy a person for all of his Averis. So he creates the situation, he creates the circumstances where the person is given the opportunity to either violate or refrain from violating an Issa one last time. So he'll get his real reward. Says the Rambam, this is so deep, we don't even chat, but the Rambam says that it's so deep. And he says... The Rabbeinu Shlatan explains that Pasuk. And the Rambam says, every individual will get that opportunity. Every single individual, says the Rambam, will get the opportunity where the Rabbeinu Shlatan gives you one opportunity. Say, hey, what are you going to do with this opportunity? Here's the computer. Here's the phone. Here's the street. Here's whatever it may be. The opportunity is there. The question is, which opportunity do we have that the Rabbeinu Shlatan is watching us and he's testing us and saying, from this one Misa, from this one time that you refrain, you can save everything. You can save everything. You can erase everything. Everything you ever did, says the Rambam, by the one time the Rambam's given, giving you this one Messiah, boom, you make it, it's all gone. You don't make it, 
Rachman and Etzlam. So the Rambam, every individual is going to have that opportunity. And that's why a person has to realize. And let me just end with one last Kavaldi Kazakh. Uh, the Koshit Sabagid said, he said a story that we've mentioned here once before, but again, a story that we have to say of the famous carpenter in Vienna that made such a beautiful piece, beautiful, gorgeous piece that he sold for thousands and thousands, and some wealthy guy bought it to put his diamonds and his pearls and his watches as a showcase in the dining room. Years later, this, be- this designer was walking the streets of Vienna. Years later, and his shoelace broke. So he says, Excuse me, do you know anywhere I can get uh, you know, my shoes fixed? Oh, there's a shop down. So he goes to the shop, he follows the instructions, he walks in, and there it is. He sees the beautiful cabinet. This was the most exquisite, gorgeous, unique cabinet. The, the woodwork, the glass, the shapes, the whole... It was gorgeous. That looks like a piece of dirt. The window's smashed. It's all knocked and bruised. It's all, it's all over. It's disgusting. What happened was that the original owner lost all his money. The banks came and took everything, along with this beautiful, exquisite piece of furniture... They sold it to someone who sold it to someone who sold it to someone. Eventually, it got so bad that eventually it wasn't worth anything, and it got taken to the you know a guy who fixed his shoes, and it was used to do you know to display shoelaces. This is my beautiful work. Where is it, Rabbi Say? The Rabbi gave us the most beautiful, tahor, clean neshama. We come down into the world, gets a little bit bruised, a little bit bashed, a little bit doesn't doesn't look the same way as when it came down. When we return that beautiful neshama to the Rabbi Nishlam after 120 years, what does it look like? We want Be'ez HaShem that it looks as beautiful as we got it. Next week, Mitzvah Shem, we shall continue.